Hello everyone. Welcome to God Talk with Tara. This is Tara. Um, we are going to touch on a little bit of housekeeping before we jump into prayers. I have not been consistently doing this every night and there are reasons for that. I am um, getting the sense that it's probably time to slow this down to something of a more reasonable pace. Not because I don't think that God calls people sometimes to preach daily, but because I am, God puts a lot of tasks in front of us sometimes, and he has been consistently putting a lot of other tasks and bringing to mind things to speak in this space, uh, more like every other day at the moment. So, I'm going to shoot for Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays going forward, I think, unless um, I did set up a, Patre uh, a Patreon level uh, for anybody that wants to actually participate in the podcast where you can, I, I will set up an email specifically for this where it's sort of a mailbag kind of a thing. If there's a question you have about a passage of scripture, or if there is a question about one of the podcasts that I have done that you would like to discuss or that you would like answered, whichever your preference, um, you are welcome to, as patrons, go ahead and send me those emails in every week on Saturday. If I have folks that want to do that, I will set this up as a Zoom call rather than as a simple recording. And the person who, um, whose question we're dealing with that week is welcome to come on the Zoom call and we can have that as a discussion. And I will set it up so that that goes live stream when we do that for anybody who is a patron. And then I'll probably load that on the following Monday into the main, into the main podcast. So that's sort of a, um, the reality is, is I love doing this. I love chatting. Um, I love talking God at night. I don't mind doing it where it feels like I'm just talking to my wall. Uh, but at the same time, I really love conversing about the Lord and it helps me and other people to grow when we talk through concepts. So I wanted to make a space for that as part of this, um, reaching out uh, when the Lord kind of laid that idea on me. Uh, I miss that. I have I have friends that I've done that with over the years. Currently, I am between groups of people where that's a real strong possibility. So it is, a, it is an option that I would love to explore. So if that is something you are interested in doing, there is a become a patron button on pretty much all of the pages at Authentic Witness. So you should be able to find that either in the footer or on the post themselves. I believe it's in the right hand top. And you're welcome to go check that out if you want to become a patron. If you don't, that's fine. <laughs> um, but that's just sort of a, a thing that would allow for, um, well, for ways for people to support the podcast and support the work that God is doing through here and, and like I said, to provide an opportunity for all of us to grow and learn together, to participate in a conversation with God rather, with God in the center of it, rather than just me talking. So 
that's sort of the housekeeping is we're going to be adjusting the schedule. And on Saturdays, if we have anybody that is interested in being a part of those discussions, then we will work on doing that as sort of a separate kind of podcast where it's not quite the same thing as what this is. With that, we're going to go ahead and kick off tonight um, and start that with prayer. Father God, thank you so much for the day. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for your deliverance from angst and frustration. Thank you, Lord, for wrestling with us when we have our moments of anxiety and doubt and frustration and and conflict. Lord God, thank you for being present in all that we do. Thank you for your words, Lord, that speak into our lives in ways that those who don't yet know you, Father, don't benefit from. And Father, we pray, we pray that they would come to know you because our world is filled with anxiety and angst and conflict and anger and frustration, Father God. And without your presence and without your love, that will tear people apart. So Father, I just pray that you would pour out from your people, that you would pour through your people into the communities around them, that they would be a fount of your love and your grace and your wisdom and your peace, Father God, and your patience, that that would be a means, Father, for your people to reach into the hurt and the pain around them and to share that your presence transforms and makes a difference. Father, we ask that tonight, um, and I just ask that you would make me small and that you would make Jesus big that you would magnify yourself, Father, in the words that you give me, that you would magnify yourself in the hearts and the minds of those who listen, that you would open ears and doors, that you would help us, Father, to understand your word more than we do now, and that you would draw people to you, Father, in ways that you haven't before. We thank you, Lord, for all that you do and all that you are, and we ask in Jesus' name, amen. So speaking of conversation, I was on Facebook today, and that can be a dangerous place to be. <laughs> um, but I ran across a quote that, that someone had posted from A.W. Tozer and a, with a comment from a friend of theirs. And they were talking about how it is a unalterable truth that as Christians, you will always have a lonely life. And I had argued with that. Um, and one of the things that came up was the concept of carrying our cross, that that was sort of the the way that that had been put is that, you know, you can't carry your cross with someone else and it forever sets you apart to carry your cross. And the contention was that not everybody is willing to carry their cross. And that's true. And that we each have our own cross to bear and it's not um, not shareable, which isn't true actually, as far as scripture is concerned, we are called to carry one another's burdens. And Jesus illustrates this in, um, in the passion of the Christ, actually in the gospel, as you hear, you have the passage where Simon of Cyrene helps Jesus carry his cross, literally physically helps Jesus carry his cross up to Golgotha. Now the circumstances surrounding that quote, um, came out later in the conversation and I understand where it was coming from. And that's not really the thing that stood out to me because what really stood out to me after 
I had finished saying what the Lord was leading me to say in response. And this is something I've learned on Facebook is that most of the time I scroll right on by things unless they're prayer requests, in which case I will usually stop and pray. But anything that is controversial that might spark a major argument, I don't tend to stop on those anymore unless the Lord catches my attention. And there are times when the Lord catches my attention and in, in so doing, he will give me something to say. And I have learned too, that in the saying, I will speak the thing he has given me to speak. And it might be a little bit of back and forth, but then there will come a moment where I recognize anything further that comes from me will not be God speaking. It will be me. And that's when I need to stop. And so I had reached that point of, of coming to a place where I had said all that the Lord had given me to say, and there was no more that needed to be said. And so I was pondering what it was that God had said to me in that moment. And what struck me is this concept of carrying our cross. Now, we always look at this as a very dark and heavy and difficult task. And I understand where that comes from, because obviously when we think of Jesus and him carrying his cross, we are thinking of the passion of the Christ. We're coming up on Good Friday. God's really funny that way. Um, this is <laughs> this is a passage for Holy Week. This is a concept for Holy Week. It's, a, it's an understanding that's going to uh, that comes from through Easter of what the cross means. And so I want us to think about that for a minute, about what the cross means. So we think of that passage. We're going to look here. I'm going to look at the scripture. This is in uh, Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 28. So we're going to read this real quick. Um, and then we're going to kind of expand on this concept. So it reads, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Now there's a couple points here that I, I really want to touch on, but I think I might have to save them for the next, um, well, maybe not. We'll see. So the first thing I want us to look at here is understand that this comes after the passage where um, Jesus has already fed the 4,000. He's fed the five or the 5,000 and the 4,000 and the Pharisees and the Sadducees have been testing him and he goes on and the disciples and he depart and as they're going along, the disciples are, start freaking out about bread because Jesus tells them to beware of the, the, the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And he reminds them of these miraculous things that he's seen. And then once again, points to being careful of the teachings of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And then we come to this really famous passage where Jesus is like, who do people say that the son of man is? 
And then he says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, right after this passage, and I always find this, <laughs> I always find this kind of hilarious when I think of myself as a disciple, because that it, and it is so very typical of us that we get something so right. Jesus, you know, God shows us something amazing. We get this so right in the very next time, uh, moment we turn around and, and stumble over ourselves again, which is exactly what happens with Peter here. So on the one hand, Peter is like, you are the Christ. And Jesus says, I'm going to build my church on you and the gates shall not prevail against it. Um, or the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And then Peter starts, you know, Jesus starts telling them that he's going to be suffering suffering and he's going to be killed and raised on the third day and peter's like uh lord stop that that's not going to happen and jesus is like get behind me satan <laughs> for you're not setting your mind on the things of god but on the things of man and i want us to hold that thought in our mind right there for you are not setting your mind on the things of god but on the things of man. And the very next line is where our verses started. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, one of the things that we need to remember when we look at this passage is that the disciples did not know what the cross symbolized at the time. Now, they knew that the cross symbolized to some degree, Roman authority and Roman persecution, because they did know about crucifixion. It was a very common practice of Rome at the time. But they did not know that Jesus was going to die on a cross. That was not part of what Jesus was necessarily telling them. Um, he did say that, you know, he was going to suffer and he was going to be killed. And on the third day, he was going to be raised. But he didn't sit here and say, I'm going to be crucified. He said, take up your cross and follow me. So that would take on new meaning in the days ahead for the disciples. But it doesn't take on the meaning, I don't think, that we think that it does. So I want to look at the cross tonight. I want us to really understand and contemplate what it was that the cross was. So, as Christians, we understand the crucifixion was a horrific death. We understand that Jesus was flogged and he had the skin flayed off of his back. We understand that he was laid out on rough wood, um, that he had had to carry up a hill outside the town of Jerusalem, that he had had to walk bleeding and broken and in massive amounts of pain from the place of his trial with Pontius Pilate out the gates of Jerusalem and up to the hill of Golgotha where they would lay him down on the cross beam of the cross and they would hammer his wrists into the wood with spikes. And then they would hammer his feet into the wood of the upright with spikes to hold him in place. And he would hang there all day and slowly suffocate as the pain in his 
feet became excruciating if he would push up far enough to get a breath. And in order to be able to relieve some of the pain on his feet and hands, he would relax down and it would crush his chest so he couldn't breathe. And so this was the day on Good Friday that, um, that Jesus had that day. He was hanging in excruciating pain, struggling to breathe until he had completed the work that his father had set for him in atoning for the sins of mankind. Now this is what we think of when we think of the cross. But I want us to understand that that's not necessarily what Jesus thinks of when he thinks of the cross. So shortly after this moment, we see Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John, and we see him transformed into uh, his glorious body briefly before the crucifixion. And we see what Jesus will become. And he gives the disciples a glimpse of that as well. The Son of Man is going to fulfill the work that he has come here to do. And it's really kind of cool because this goes to the sermon that, that our pastor gave last week. The work that Jesus had to do was to inaugurate the kingdom of God. So when Jesus says here, truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the man of uh, the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. I want you to think about that in terms of when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, fulfilling the prophecies of the Jews, he was inaugurating the kingdom of God on earth. And so that actually would have been them seeing the Son of Man coming in his kingdom to begin. Now, this is not the full fulfillment of the kingdom of God that comes with the second coming of Christ, but this is the beginning of the kingdom of God on earth. The son of man coming in his kingdom begins very shortly after this passage with Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey on Palm Sunday, or what we celebrate as Palm Sunday at the beginning of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And proclaiming himself king, proclaiming himself to be the Messiah that had been foretold for the Jewish people for hundreds of years. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees were very upset about that and sought to kill him as a result. And the chosen instrument of that death was a cross. It was a Roman cross that was reserved for mm, thieves and murderers and rebels who fomented rebellion against Caesar and the king. And so Jesus was taken and he was put on this cross a week after he comes 
into town on a donkey. On the night of the Passover meal, he is taken by the soldiers and he is tried in a kangaroo court and he is turned over to Pontius Pilate who seeks to release him but can't and so winds up crucifying him until Jesus dies and then he's buried and he is put in a tomb for three days. And this is the part that we need to understand when we talk about crosses and us picking up our cross and carrying it and following Jesus. Because the cross on the hill was not the end of the story. So the cross on the hill was empty. Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, they came and they got Jesus's body off the cross. The cross was empty and they carried his body and they placed it in a tomb and they sealed the tomb and it was watched over by soldiers and on the third day, as Jesus had predicted, the doors blew off the place and there was no longer a body inside. And so the cross became an empty cross because the tomb was empty, because Jesus had risen. And so what God did in those three days was to take the worst, excruciating, most horrible thing that humanity had yet devised. The most painful thing that people had created to do to one another as punishment and as cruelty and as pain, as dominance and power. God took that thing, the cross, and he turned it into an instrument of resurrection. He turned it into an instrument of transformation where Jesus went from being a man vulnerable and walking under the shadow of death a man vulnerable and walking in under the power of the principalities of this world a man who was able to be put on a cross and die and bear the weight of all the sins of mankind. He took that and he transformed it from death to everlasting life for all mankind. Now, when we look at that in our lives and, and we think of taking up our cross, it isn't that that Jesus sees. When Jesus is talking to his disciples here and he's telling them what's coming and he's telling them that he's going to suffer these many things and be killed, he then says, and on the third day be raised. He's not looking at the cross as the end of the story. He's looking at the cross as the end of death and as the end of sin and as the end of the slavery of mankind to sin and death here in the world. He is not looking at the cross as something to be feared or a weight to be carried. He is looking at it as a means to get through the power of death in order to bring 
resurrection, and the power of eternal life. This is Jesus's entire task here on earth. Well, I shouldn't say that. There were a lot of things he had to do, but this is this is where it all pointed, was to the cross and to the empty tomb. And you don't have one without the other, so you don't get a tomb without a cross. We don't get a resurrection without a death. And that's what he talks about here, that Forever, who, who would ever save their life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You don't get a resurrection without a death. We cannot hold on to the lives that we desire, the lives that we want, the lives that we have, and expect to be resurrected in Jesus Christ, especially not in the here and the now. We cannot expect a transformed life that mirrors the power and the will and the grace and the love of God if we are insistent upon holding on to our previous life. So when we talk about taking up our cross daily, the cross is not this heavy burden. It's not this thing that's going to press us down. What it is, is the instrument of our transformation. The cross is the instrument of our resurrection. It's the instrument of being made new. Now, one thing I will totally agree with my friend on is that our crosses are all kind of unique. It doesn't mean that we carry them alone because we don't. We are called into community to carry each other to walk with one another, to share each other's burdens. And God gives each one of us a unique cross for that purpose. So my cross, and I probably have a lot of them actually, but my cross, part of what my cross consists of is that I have been divorced twice. That when I was a teenager, I was extremely promiscuous because the world told me that that was who I needed to be, and that that was what I needed to do in order to be loved and in order to be lovable. And so I bought into that lie and I followed that path and it led me into utter darkness and misery. It led me into abusive relationships. It led me into out of wedlock pregnancy. It led me into two really failed marriages. And it led me into being a mom whose children have been damaged by that reality, have been damaged by the choices that I made when I was young. That is a very, very large part of my cross that I carry. But God didn't give me that cross to bear so that I can be guilty for those things. See, this is the problem. When we look at our crosses as a burden, when we look at, it, at them as something heavy that we have to carry on our backs for the rest of our lives, we miss the point of what the cross did. Because what Jesus tells us is that when he went to the cross and his blood was shed, our sins were forgiven and they no longer hold sway in our lives. They no longer are chains upon us. He casts our sin as far as the east is from the west. He hides it as though it has gone to the bottom of the sea. The Lord does not 
hold my sin against me anymore. But that does not mean that it is not useful. And this is where our cross comes in. So the things that I have done in my life, the things that I have had done to me in my life, the things that have made me broken and shattered and bleeding and dirty and miserable and crying in the dark, those things, those are the things that God says, give me that. We're all about giving God our pretty parts and letting him use the pretty things to encourage people and to help people. We are all about being good little Christians as Christians. And oh yes, Jesus has made me whole and holy and he's made my life great and wonderful. And he has, please don't hear me wrong. But God didn't ask me for the pretty parts. He asked me for all of me. He asked me to trade my sin for his righteousness. He asked me to trade my misery for his grace. And in so doing, when I pick up my cross and I hand it to God and I say, God, this is the mess that I've made of my life. This is the broken things that I have done. These are the sins that I have committed against you and against my fellow men. These are the things that I have done that I should not have done. Father God, this is my cross. This is my cross. This is my pain. This is my hard place. This is the thing that makes me feel as though I have been flogged. This is the thing that keeps me pinned and chained and gasping. When I pick up my cross and I give it to God, what he says to me is that my sin has been nailed to that cross along with Christ, and he has given me back my life. And he has taken that sin and he has transformed it into the testimony of what a good and gracious and loving God has done and can do with the worst thing that has ever happened. The cross that I bear is a cross of transformation. It's a cross that can go to those who are young and think that they are too far gone for God to find them because they have sold themselves into sex and that they have been betrayed by those who were supposed to protect them and been violated and then continued down that path because they didn't know what else to do. Those who have been shattered and broken by sexual identity issues, by sexual issues in general, by divorce. My cross can speak to people in that darkness and in that pain and in that brokenness of the transformative power of the resurrected Christ. Because his cross is empty and the tomb is empty. And three days he was raised. And I am in Christ seated at the right hand 
of the Father, where he ascended and then sent his Holy Spirit to bring that transformation and to help me carry that cross to the dark places where people are lost and alone and broken. And that is what you are supposed to do with your cross too. I don't know what your cross is. I don't know what the pain that he called you out of is. I don't know where you're broken is. But I do know that you are called not to try to hide it, not to try to bury it, not to try to leave it a thousand miles behind you, but to give it over to Jesus Christ and let him transform that into a message of hope and grace and love to a world who is dying and broken and hopeless in their sin. I pray that he will give you the courage to do that tonight and tomorrow and every day. Father God, we thank you for the cross that Jesus carried. The only one of us, Lord God, that didn't have to. And we thank you that because he did, Father God, our crosses are no longer a burden to be borne, but a symbol of your love and your grace and your freedom. Father, help us to take up our crosses, not in weariness, and heaviness, Father, but in the joy of what you have done in our lives, the joy of what you have done with those burdens, Father God. And help us to share that gospel, that good news, that there is no one too far gone for you to reach them. That there is no one outside the power of your love. If they will only turn to you and receive so that they can be made whole and holy. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Be blessed and be a blessing.